Those fingers in my hair That sly come hither stare That strips my conscience bare It's witchcraft And I've got no defense for it The heat is too intense for it What good would common sense for it do? Cause it's witchcraft Wicked witchcraft Hi, everybody, and welcome to another podcast of True Stories of Tinseltown. And we are still on our History of Blonde Bombshells. And, um, of course, my partner in crime for this is April Vivier. And hello, April. Hi, Grace. How are you? I am just swell. We are actually doing a doubleheader today. We just finished uh, Carol Landis. So we're on to tell us, tell everybody who we're doing now. We are now doing Gloria Graham, who is really the perfect transition between the 40s and 50s as we start to go into our 1950s. Blonde jag. Yes, and also, yeah, she because she does. She's like the noir dame, and um, she did some really good movies. That's for sure. Yeah, no, most definitely. Of course, most people know her from It's a Wonderful Life, which is kind of like away from what she normally does. She's cute. She was the, like the little um, little town hoochie mama. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, so we're, we're you know that, that's what most people think of. And you know, she's like redeemed and everything, but her noir parts are a little darker, a lot darker, and they're great. I loved her roles, but you know, she she just wasn't really just well, maybe in one. Anyway, where are we starting there, kiddo? Um, so I guess we'll, we'll start where we normally do, where she's born. Um, Gloria was actually born Gloria Graham Hallward on November 28th, 1923 in Los Angeles. Um, her father was Reginald Michael Bloxham Hallward, and he was a successful architect and author. And her mother was Jeannie McDougal, which is probably one of the worst last names an actress could have. McDougal? McDougal. Well, I think Schmidlap might be worse. <laughs> Schmidlap would, but Schmidlap is a man, too. Yes, yeah, true. Um, so Jeannie uh, had actually worked under the name Jean Graham, which is obviously where Gloria got her last name, uh, when she had been a stage actress, and she then worked as an acting teacher while she was, you know, raising Gloria and her sister. They, uh, her they sister- were born and raised in California, right? She's one of the few. They they were, yep, right in Los Angeles. I mean, you know, everything's just kind of a hop, skip, and a jump for Gloria. Of course, her brew doesn't quite go that way. But um, anyway, she uh, has an older sister whose name is Joy Hallward. And most people know Joy Hallward because she was married to John Mitchum, who is Robert Mitchum's brother. I didn't know that. Yeah, no, everyone kind of got, you know, got around, I guess you could say. Um, Joy actually was an actress as well, uh, but they're they're extremely small parts, like, 
you know, maid or English woman or minor role. Yeah, minor but, role. I know one she was in was the um, Born to be Bad with Joan Fontaine. And she just played a rich lady at a party asking um, this guy who paints portraits, do you think uh, uh, my husband would like a picture of me painted above the fireplace? And he said, yeah, well, you know, she, and she wasn't very attractive, her sister. And it was no. just, a, it was a good part. She did a good job for, for what she had. She was just lovely. What can I say? <laughs> she did. Um, you, you can see Joy in movies, like you said, in Born to be Bad. She's also in The Blue Veil and Witness to Murder, you know, but very small parts. Like I said, she's normally playing a maid or I think in Born to be Bad, her character's name is Mrs. Porter, yeah. you know. <laughs> There's nothing really behind, but she she did work, um, you know, and it's not shocking with their mother, you know, Miss McDougal, being a stage actress, that both girls would follow in her footsteps. And Jeannie really focused on teaching both girls how to act, but she, you know, took a preference for Gloria. And, you know, so Gloria woke up every day and her acting coach was making her breakfast. Um, Gloria did attend Hollywood High School, but she dropped out um, so that she could pursue acting. Um, and she doesn't instantly try to go for movies. She actually goes to Broadway, and she's pretty successful, you know? She's well-liked. People, you know, like seeing her on the stage. And that is how she comes to the attention of Louis B. Mayer, who watched her career for a couple years. And then in 1944, he, you know, offers to sign Gloria to a contract, and she takes him up on it. Of course, we don't establish her with MGM, but I digress. So her first movie is Blonde Fever. And the tagline of that movie is, meet Gloria Graham. She's gorgeous. She's dangerous. (laughs) Girl fever. Blonde fever. Oh. Yeah, I, I put a picture of her up, and she she was just, she looked like a who, me? It was a cute picture. She, yeah, She no. didn't look dangerous in that, I have to say, unless she put poison in your ice cream. I don't know. She just didn't look Yeah, well, and that's kind of the thing with blonde fever is that, you know, Peter Dorn, Peter Dorn. Oh, I saw Philip that. Dorn yeah. plays this guy named Peter Denae, and she's, you know, she gets by on her innocence, but she's actually trying to, you know, get his money. And I, I won't give away anything, but she, uh, she, she's good in the movie. You can, you can see, you know, why Mayor saw potential in yes. her. Ava, she, who was in that? The, the lady, Mary Astor. She was also in that, right? Yes, Mary Astor is in that movie. It's it's a good movie. I, I recommend that people yes, see I, it. And I enjoyed it. Yeah, and it's hard to, you know, remember that Gloria is only 21 when she's acting. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Yeah, she, she's really young, but she, you know, she, it's a successful movie. Um, and then, of course, in 1946, she is in it's a, it's a Wonderful Life playing Violet Bick. I loved her. Even in the younger scenes, it's such a riot when George is at the uh, drugstore and Mary's sitting mm-hmm. next to her. And um, she said... I like George. And Mary says, you like all the boys. So what's wrong with that? I love that line from the little mini hoochie of uh, Baileysville or whatever. What's the name of that town? 
Yeah, no. I wondered about all the, the, they lived, oh, Bedford Falls. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it, it's definitely, it, it's a good, it's, well, I mean, obviously, it's a, it's a wonderful life, so it is a good movie, but she, she makes the most of her part. Kind of, um, kind of a, you know, theme stealer, which she would be accused of later, too, but she, she does a good job. Um, she does. So, um, you know, MGM has this, you know, woman who's, you know, pretty widely praised for her acting abilities, and they don't know what to do with her. MGM is just like, what are we going to do with her? We don't really have anything to cast her in, you know, what are we going to do? So in 1947, you know, the year after It's a Wonderful Life came out, MGM sells Gloria's contract to RKO. And RKO really revamped her they make her this ultra glamorous, you know, siren. Yeah, total siren. Yeah, and you know, Gordon wasn't necessarily comfortable with that role, which we'll get into. But you know, she's supposed to be this irresistible sex symbol. Um, in 1947, she, you know, had been she was being loaned out by RKO. She was doing really well. In 1947, she got her first Oscar nomination for Crossfire, which is a great um, film. It's really creepy, it, but a great film. Yeah, no, it, it really is a good film, and you can really see Gloria being Gloria in it. Uh-huh. Um, she, she does really, you know, it's obviously very successful, you know, and she's working everything. She stars with Humphrey Bogart in A Lonely Place in 1950, which actually, you know, now we look at that film today and we think, oh, you know, this is like prime Gloria. So I highly recommend everyone watch it. But at the time, it was actually kind of a stinker. Yeah, it's a depressing film, actually. And um, Bogey wasn't too happy. Bogart wasn't happy with Gloria because he wanted Lauren Bacall to be his co-star, his wife. He wanted her yeah. to be in it. And also, he, they were being directed by Gloria's then-husband, um, Nicholas Ray. They they were and that that's interesting. Yeah, I figure on this one we can kind of go over Lori's career and then we'll do her personal life okay, because they're fine. they're very separate entities. Um, but you know, so the, like you said, the movie doesn't do well, but in a lonely place is looked at as like the best Gloria Graham feature that you can watch today. Um, you know, she, like I said, she keeps working. She is lumped out to her old studio, MGM, for The Bad and the Beautiful, which came out in 1952, and she won an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress for her part. Um, for a very long time, she held the record for the shortest performance to win an Oscar, and because she was only on screen for about nine minutes. This but, is in, um, which one? For the bad and the beautiful. Oh, yeah. But she was great. She did make a good... She was that uh, Southern Belle wife to the writer. Dick Powell? Was he the writer? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no. And like I said, you know, obviously people loved it. You know, the the Academy loved it so much that they gave her an Oscar for it. Although, you know, I, I think she deserved it for other roles, too. Yes. Um, 
you know, they keep throwing her in a bunch of, you know, of these gangster roles. I highly recommend watching First Length, The Big Heat, which came out in 53. That's one of my favorites. I love her. Yeah. She's fabulous. she um, she has a very, you know, famous or infamous scene, I guess you could say, with a thing of hot coffee. It's just, it's a, it's just a big movie. Um, you know, and Gloria always did her own stunts. She was hardworking, but she was also very difficult to get along with. She was repeatedly accused of stealing scenes from other actors. Um, and... Finally, in 1955, she makes Oklahoma, which is kind of her swan song. Yeah, they said she was so hard to get along with on that. And she wasn't a singer, right? She was dubbed, or did she sing it? And, you know, it just went from her being va-va-va-voom to, like, a goony kind of person, kind of thing, va-va-goon. I don't know. It just was weird. Yeah, she's playing like, this kind of, like, ignorant Pollyanna. Yes. And it doesn't go over while she's doing musicals. She has paralysis in her upper lip at this point, which yes. we'll get into. Yes, we will. Um, oh, I, you know, and, I'm sorry. Go on. Oh, go on. What were you going to say, Grace? Um, we didn't talk about the one movie before she did Oklahoma, which was Sudden Fear. And there's a lot of juicy stuff behind the scenes on that. And that starred Joan Crawford and Jack Plants. So we'll get back to that, too. Yeah, no, it's all, I don't know, like I said, Gloria's life is just very dramatic. It's more dramatic than anything you see on screen, which is pretty hard to do. Um, But Oklahoma really, you know, seals it for her. She's not going to really recover from that. You know, like I said, she, she has paralysis in her face. She's slurring her words. She upstages, you know, her co-stars. She's alienating towards them. People really don't care for her. So, you know, she she keeps acting, though. You know, she, she keeps making movies. She makes The Man Who Never Was the following year. Um, that movie has Clifton Webb. It's... It's not very good, if I'm honest with you. But she she does keep working. But she goes back to focusing a little bit on stage work. And she also appears on quite a few episodes of different TV shows. She's on the science fiction series, The Outer Limits. She appears on The Fugitive and Burke's Law, which I think everybody appeared at least once on Burke's Law. I think so. Um, and, but, you know, during all of this, she's also working in stage plays, too. And, of course, she keeps working up until she dies. But I think now we can back up and talk a bit about her personal life because that's where it really gets crazy. Yeah. Her for, her marriage to Nicholas Ray, I think, was the big, juicy scandal of all time. It, it was. Um, just, just before we get into that one, I'm just going to jump and say in the mid-40s, she started to get plastic surgery on her mouth because she found her mouth to be, you know, unattractive. She wanted her, her front, her top lip to be fuller. Imagine the heaven she'd be in today with these lip oh, injections. Yeah. You know, it's like, boom, she could have these big uh, pout lips in one second. She she could, but of course she couldn't do that. So she thought that her upper lip was too thin and that the ridges in her mouth were too deep. Um, you know, and 
I, I don't really have an opinion on that. I mean, that's her thing. You know what I mean? So what she had done before she was getting surgery is she was put coffin, uh, coffin, cotton, or underneath her mouth to get a sexier look. But the thing is, her male co-stars would sometimes end up with it in their mouth when yeah. they had to do a kissing scene with her. Thirsty she must have been because that soaks up all your saliva and everything else. It just must not have been comfortable for her to yeah. put stuff in her head. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend doing that. Um, so in the mid-1940s, she you know, starts to think, hey, maybe this, you know, maybe she was just really thirsty. She's like, hey, you know, this cotton and tissue thing isn't going to work. So she starts getting a bunch of cosmetic surgery on her mouth with just little, you know, things. And it ended up making it, she had so much work done to her lips that it became immobile and she had severe nerve damage and partial paralysis in her upper lip. And that is why in Oklahoma, she tends to slur her words when she is speaking because she can't really move her upper lip that much. Um, I'm sorry, go on, Grace. I just said, what a shame, you know, that she just saw herself in that way as a, you know. Yeah, you know, and she really was a pretty woman. She was. But she just, you know, she just didn't think that her face lined up. And like you said, she would be great in today's world, but at the time they didn't have, you know, they had silicone injections and stuff, but she obviously, you know, wasn't doing a whole lot of that at first, at least. And then by the time she was switching to stuff like that, her mouth was just completely, completely messed up. Um, she was married four times, as you have brought out the, the ways, I guess we should say, are her most famous marriages. But her first one was to a man named Stanley Clements. They married in August of 45, and they were divorced in June of 48. They did not have any children. And then... Only one day after her divorce is finalized from Clement, she marries Nicholas Ray. Now, this is in, you know, 48. They're married until 52. However, their marriage had most likely ended around 50. Some people say 51, but it, it probably would have been 50. Because Gloria was allegedly found in bed with her stepson, Tony who was only 13 years old. Um, the official story with that is that, well, I shouldn't say official, but the story attached with that is that Tony had returned from military school pretty unexpectedly. He went to the front door of his father's house, and he saw Gloria, and he just fell, he instantly fell in love. He saw Gloria, and he was in love with her. And they ended up in bed together when Tony's father, Nicholas, came home. And Nicholas, rightfully so, reportedly lost his mind and destroyed half of the house and kicked his son out of the home. Wow. Um, you know, it, it was... You know, it was very complicated. Ray apparently had a nervous breakdown from it, and obviously his relationship with his son was always strained. Um, there, you know, supposedly they never, like, completely reconciled from it, and he absolutely could not stand Gloria, which I think makes a lot of sense. If I was Ray, I don't think I would trust her like no, Gloria. No, me either. either. She also had a, a child with um, Nicholas Ray, Tim. 
she, she had, Timothy was actually born only a few months after they were married. She was about four months, four or five months pregnant when she married um, Nicholas Ray because Timothy was born November 48. Um, so, you know, Ray has basically a complete breakdown over this, which I think, like I said, is pretty understandable. Um, and then they get divorced in 52, which is also when Sudden Fear is released. And I think you wanted to talk about Sudden Fear a little bit, Grace. Yeah, I love that whole thing. There's so much trivia about it. And um, Joan uh, allegedly, Jack Palance, let's face it, he's got a face that'll grow on you, I guess. But he, he, he is a very unique-looking man. And Joan, like in the movie, she plays a playwright, and she cans Jack Plants because she thinks he is not attractive enough to play the character she wrote. And um, and in real life, Joan felt that way. But then she changed her mind while they were doing the movie, and Gloria and uh, Mr. Plant started having an affair, and Gloria would taunt Joan. On days she didn't have to go to uh, the set, she would show up anyway, and she would be licking a lollipop to distract Joan and making really loud noises. And also, they, they, the two of them got into the uh, fisticuffs, and none of the crew, they let them go at it for a while, and the crew <laughs> didn't break it up for a few minutes. You know, they wanted to see him uh, get slugged. I think Gloria won. <laughs> it's just... She was something else. She was very good in that film also. And so was uh, Joan, and so was, um, what's his face? Jack Plants. Yeah, it, it is a good movie. Um, Joan was also the executive producer of that film. So she had hired Gloria and um, Jack for the roles that they had. Uh -huh. um, you know, and she, um, yeah, supposedly she got in a, you know, physical altercation with Gloria. Um, and, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it's pretty fair to say that Gloria probably won the altercation. Um, you know, and it, it kind of shows, though, how Gloria could be kind of catty or anything. Well, she was. My goodness. She's, on a day she didn't have to be there. Can you imagine someone smacking a lollipop? doing yeah. something like that I'd want to beat her up you don't even have to be on the set and she would just you know do it to annoy Joan and think she was funny but you know that was pretty mean she had her she had her little ways of not being so nice hey I know she um she definitely did she could be very very difficult and you know I think Gloria's career Putting aside the, the lip thing and everything, I think Gloria's career probably could have gone a little bit better if she had been more likable, I guess you could say. But I think Gloria is somebody that, you know, what you see on um, what you see on the screen is probably pretty close to how she could be sometimes. It's funny. And, um, yeah, and... As we were talking about our Veronica Lake show, she was another one who did not get along with people, and the people there didn't really have any fond recollections of her in Hollywood. Yeah, a lot of, you know, a lot of people who 
liked Gloria or Gloria. A lot of people who liked Veronica Lake had very, you know, little interaction with her. It was, you know, like her driver or something like that. Yeah. You know, and I think, though, that it is, you know, I, I don't know. I think that you can never completely hide who you are even when you're acting. You know what I mean? You're always going to get bits of your personality that come through. And I think Gloria is perfect example of that. Yeah, she was a little minx. <laughs> yeah. She was something. You know, yeah. she, she wasn't afraid to get what she wanted. No, I that guess. is for sure. Um, but yeah, I know you're, you're right. They, they apparently have a physical altercation. I don't know of other physical altercations that Gloria had in her career, but you know, if you're rumbling with Joan Crawford, does it get much better than that? That's no, HBO, question. honey, put it on HBO pay-per-view. I'd have loved to watch that. That would have been a riot. But yeah, <laughs> no, it, it, she, you know, so she's, she's doing her thing, I guess we could say. Um, but um, with her marriages, you know, Ray, Ray's done with her, you know, or Nicholas, I should say, because there's another Ray. Nicholas Ray is done with her, you know, really probably in like 50, but they don't actually get their divorce until 52, but they didn't try to reconcile. He just kind of went out. Um, during this time, he started dating Marilyn Monroe pretty openly. Um, Marilyn was with Nicholas Ray on and off. Really from about, like, you know, late 1950 to early 52 when she meets Joe DiMaggio. I did not know that at all. That is yeah, a no. new fact for me. I never knew she went out with Nicholas Ray. Oh, yeah, no. They they saw each other pretty frequently, actually. And like I said, he would take her out. He, um, she went to the premiere of The African Queen with him. Um, he was her date for the Henrietta Award. It, they did... They did their little thing. Um, I'm really surprised, to be honest with you, that Nicholas Ray wasn't turned off of blondes after what happened with Gloria. I really? think I would be. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I would have been completely done with blondes. But he obviously wasn't because after Marilyn, you know, he went out with a couple other girls. And then in 55, he started dating Jane Mansfield. And he gave her a pet bunny. Yes, wasn't that sweet? He liked those. He, I guess he liked those blonde shells. He, he did. He he definitely liked his blonde shells. But you know, he, he did not like Lawyer Graham. That's probably the one blonde bombshell he did not like. Well, I can't blame him for that one. I would not I, think I, that that was nice. Yeah, <laughs> I no. Caught my he wife in bed with my child. No, that would not yeah. go big with me. Yeah, no, catching your wife in bed with thirteen with your thirteen year old son probably is the best thing. Uh, Gloria did not move on quite as quickly as Nicholas Ray did, um, but yeah, so she moved on quickly enough, I guess. And in '54, she married Cy Howard. Um, they would end up having a daughter named Mariana, and. You know, this is where it's kind of creepy because you don't know if Gloria was lying in wait or what exactly happened. But in 57, she divorced um, Howard. She said that she, he had exhibited extreme mental cruelty towards her, which I, I don't know if I believe that. But in 1960, although they obviously would have connected probably around 57, 58, she is back in contact with Tony Ray. And Tony, in 19, 
Yeah. Yeah, and in nineteen sixty she marries Tony Ray, who is obviously Nicholas Ray's son. Also known as that thirteen year old boy who she Yeah. Yeah. And that was a um, huge scandal. It, it was. Um they got married in Tijuana, Mexico. Um, they would claim that they got married in fifty eight, and I do want to point out that Tony or named Anthony, but he went by Tony. Tony reclaims the thirteen year old story isn't true. I don't think it's really something he's going to admit to, to be honest with you, which we will get into in that in a second. Um, but he claims that they reconnect in fifty eight. I think they probably reconnect in fifty seven, which well, probably contributed to her divorce from Howard. How old uh was Tony and Gloria when they reconnect reconnected? They would have been, he would have been like 20 or 21. So he, he and was. And Gloria would young. be what, like 35, 36? Yeah. She, she would have been 34, 35. Um, oh, yeah. And then after she married Anthony Ray, Graham's third husband attempted to gain, God bless you, solo custody of. Um, his daughter Mariana. He he did. What what happened is they got married in '60 in Tijuana, Mexico, um, and they kept it secret. And then '62 comes around, and of course Anthony Jr. is born in '63, and '62 comes around, and Gloria is pregnant. And, you know, she can't really say, well, I had a baby out of wedlock, because she did. She had it with her husband of two years, who is Anthony. Um, this is when Cy Howard finds out, along with the rest of the world, and he is absolutely furious. He, he can't believe that she has married, you know, her former stepson, and he does seek custody of Mariana starting, you know, around 62, 63-ish. Um, and Gloria is under a huge amount of stress. She gives birth to Tony in 63, and in 64, she starts undergoing electroshock therapy. Poor kid. Um, she has a nervous breakdown. She's thrown into the electroshock. She seems to have recovered at least a little bit because in 65, she gives birth to her second child with Tony Ray, whose name is James. Now, I just want to put in perspective that Anthony Ray Jr. and James would be both the half-siblings and, like, the half-nephews of Gloria's son with Nicholas Timothy. So it's it's a little like you're kind of crossing a line. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, what she said because she said you'd think you know I did something really you know the scandal this is because yes he was my stepson but we're not blood. This is not incest. This is maybe weird to everybody in the world, but. It wasn't incestuous. It's not like, uh, you know, they shared the same blood, you know, or anything like that. And um, she didn't really get why it was such a big deal. But she was also yeah. an older woman as well, marrying her stepson. I can see where there would be L scandal Rooney there. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think that is a fair point. I think that if this had been a man with, like, oh, his stepdaughter, geez. it probably wouldn't have received quite as much backlash. Although maybe it would, because look at Woody Allen. I don't know. But this was years later. 
Yeah, it, it probably wouldn't have gotten quite as much, but I think the thing that really, like, creeped people out was the fact that Timothy had both half-siblings and, like, nephews. Yeah, that's from... creepy. And didn't, uh, Nicholas didn't want Timothy to go there either. Nicholas Ray. He, he he didn't, and, you know, Timothy supposedly was pretty taken aback by their relationship as well, which I don't really blame him. It's kind of weird that your mom has hooked up with your brother. Right. Um, but, you know, she was very, very happy with Tony, and they actually were married until, you know, 1974, only a couple days before their 14th anniversary, their divorce was finalized. What I read in her, in one of the biographies, uh, Suicide Blonde, was that he was also, he could be physically and emotionally abusive as well. He drank. But in the beginning, she, she just, you know, she'd ride on her motorcycle, and she got to live like a chi- a teenage years that she didn't get to live when she was younger. Yeah, no, there, um, there are pictures of Gloria, and she's dressed a little more, like, hip, I guess you mm-hmm. could say. You know, I, and I think, you know, she, she did. You're right. You know, she had a really nice life with him. It's just, you know, he was... He was, you know, the same. When they divorced, he was basically the same age as when she had married him. Yeah. Well, it's amazing it lasted so long, right? It it really is. is. A long time Uh, for for a lot of people. Yeah, no, it it, it really is. And, you know, you're right. She felt young again. She really, you know, enjoyed her relationship with him. But I do think that it's also okay to—and I'm not saying you don't agree with this— but I do think it's okay to be kind of creeped out by their relationship. I do, too. No, I do, too. But I also see that, you know, it, it wasn't, like she said, incest. It is creepy. I can't imagine being, you know, in that circle or having my mother marry my half-brother's brother. <laughs> it's just really weird. And uh, yeah. did the father get uh, custody of Mariana? He did get custody because people then were kind of freaked out. But then she went back. She went back with Gloria, and it, it was like a temporary custody thing, which makes sense. Yes, you know, for for that um, for that era, you know, and her having to undergo electroshock didn't really help her case either. Yeah, she lost memory of of certain points in her life. I forgot how many they said she had. Maybe four or five. Hmm. And that is extremely common for, you know, people who have electroshock. A lot of them have pretty severe memory loss. Yes. The more you have, the more memory you lose. Exactly. So she, um, but, you know, it it helps her, I guess, in the long run. I I don't even know what to say. It's it's just such a weird situation to deal with. There's really nothing that, like, you can say about it besides... Hey, she, you know, hooked up with her stepson. Yeah, and it it made great writing, great print, great scandal. And, um, you know, she she seemed to really love the kid, and the kid seemed to love her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Mariana really... Mariana, sorry, I'll start over. For some reason, that thing went off on my phone. Um, I, I do want to point out that Mariana really loved her mother. Um, you know, when Gloria ended up becoming sick, 
Mariana flew out there, you know? Yes. And she wasn't... I want, I'm not going to say she was Mother of the Year, but she did the best that she could, you know? And I think that she does deserve, you know, credit for that. And I think it's very evident that Gloria was probably mentally ill in a few ways. Yes, she had her issues, yeah. Yeah, and so I, I don't pass judgment on Gloria from that standpoint, but I can see why the scandal completely ruined her career. Yeah, I mean, that was huge. And I'm sure, you know, God forbid, imagine if it happened. And in that day, they had social media. Now they just had people writing to the press or writing, you know, to movie magazines. But boy, oh boy, that would be a biggie. Maybe not as much of a biggie today, but, you know, it it would have been, you know, social media, take you down kind of thing. Yeah, it's just, it it didn't didn't go over very well. Um, Like like we have said, Gloria's career suffered pretty heavily. Um, She didn't make a movie for four years, uh, until four years after the news of her marriage had broke. It was called Ride Beyond Vengeance. It is a, like, D-level Western movie. That was put out by Columbia. I, I don't really recommend it. And Gloria is like the sixth build person on it. It has Joan Blondell, who at this point was like ancient. Right. You, you know, know, she really wasn't that ancient. I think how old? When was it? Seventies. Uh, sixty. Let's see, sixty-six. Yeah, they start playing these. I gotta. I have to do a show on. Um, 70s and 60s movies that these, you know, once humongously popular movie stars take on. But, you know, Gloria did a couple of them, too, but so did Olivia de Havilland. So, of course, Betty Davis, Joan Crawford, you know, so she she took on a lot of roles because she wanted to work. You know, bottom line, she wanted to work. She did. And you're right, Jim Wondell was that old. I think she would have been about 60, but for for this time period. Yeah, she was an old bag. Yeah. 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 Um, And, you know, after that, you know, Gloria's next one isn't for five more years, and it's blood and lace, and that's basically a softcore porno. Oh, my. Have you ever seen it? I have not. I have. Um, (laughs) It's not really... It's like maybe torture porn, if anything. Yeah. It's more of a torture porn kind of... It's like a really gross uh, thing, kind of a... And it has interesting characters in it, but it's totally cheapo, epo, you know, exploitation of a once really good movie star. But she, you know... I, I would say watch it because it's, you know, something yeah, else. No. Something um, else, guys. Maybe you can find it on YouTube. Let's hope so. I'll, I'll have to do it. All I know is it's classified as an erotic slasher, which is a really? very common. Yeah, but that that's a pretty common, like, thing for that time period. You know, so it's kind of, you know, you're getting into the golden age of porn during that time. Right. So even though these movies obviously aren't pornographic, they're trying to push the boundaries for what they can put in. So they're considered, like, erotic. Yes, and they also do major murdering and stuff. 
which is pretty yeah. gross. Yeah, no, erotic slasher, which is probably something that should never, ever happen. Um, um, 74. That happened. She was diagnosed with breast cancer. She, she was. She was diagnosed with breast cancer, and so she underwent, you know, radiation. She stopped smoking and drinking. She goes to a homeopathic doctor. She changes her diet. And then by 75, the cancer goes into remission, you know, and Gloria's like, oh, you know, wow, this is super great, you know, and I can't say I blame her. No, but I, I couldn't either. Yeah, and, you know, she she's acting in movies during this time, albeit, you know, pretty sporadically, but she is acting in movies. Um, but she's also doing a bunch of stage shows. She does stage shows in the U.K. She connects with a man named uh, Peter Turner, which I don't know if I believe everything in his book, but they did have some sort of something going on. Yes, I, I don't believe everything, but I, you know, they did. Did you see the movie? With Annette Benning, Right. No, I've read the book, but I have not seen the movie. I couldn't uh, believe Annette Benning as Gloria for one moment. You know, all I saw was Annette Benning, who has had the same hairstyle for 30 years, trying <laughs> to act like Gloria. But, you know, it was... The, it's not that it was a bad movie, but I just was distracted by the fact that Annette Benning was Annette Benning, and she was not really someone you would buy as Gloria. Yeah, I'm going to be honest with you. It doesn't really hold a whole lot of appeal. I don't care for the book, and I don't care for Annette Benning that much. Yes. Um, so I'm I'm glad to hear your feedback on that. Yeah, I would. It's definitely a one-time watcher. You don't want to watch it again. That makes sense. Um, 1980, the cancer comes back for Gloria, and she doesn't get treatment for it because she doesn't think it's come back. She just doesn't acknowledge her diagnosis. She, I, I don't know if she was welcoming to death or she, you know. The popular theory is that she really didn't think it had come back. I think she uh, didn't think it came back. And she worked her butt off, I mean, through illness. It was amazing when you see uh, how sick she was and how determined she was to get through these plays. Yeah, and, you know, she, she keeps working all across the U.S. and the U.K., you know, and this is like the last year and a half of her life, and she's still working. Um, but, you know, she, she keeps on working, and then... In autumn of 81, she's in England, and she's performing at the Duke's Playhouse, and all of a sudden, she becomes extremely sick. Um, and the hospital, she's rushed to the hospital, which, you know, makes sense. The leading lady of the play is sick. Right. And the hospital tells her, look, we need to perform surgery. And she straight up refuses. Now, at this point, I don't think there's any arguing that she knew what was up. You know, there is. Because she felt so more. terribly. She was losing weight, everything, you know, and she had no strength. She was in pain. But she didn't. The thing about Gloria was she didn't complain about it. She just kind of went on. Yeah, no, she kept on working. She definitely had that, you know, old school mentality of, hey, you got to work. Um, you know, so she she contacts Peter Turner and she says, hey, you know, I want to live in Liverpool with you in your mom's home. Uh, again, I, I have some concerns about how exactly this went down. But, uh, 
anyway, that's where the you know film and books title film stars don't die in Liverpool comes from. And she told Turner not to contact you know any medical professionals or her family, but Turner supposedly goes behind her back and does so. Um, like you said, she didn't want to really complain about things, so I could see her saying, you know, don't contact, like, medical professionals, but she did love her kids, so I find it unlikely that she wouldn't want her kids to at least know what she was doing. Um, maybe not tell them, you know, the extremes of her cancer diagnosis, which, just FYI for people who don't know her, she had a tumor in her abdomen that was supposedly the size of a football. Yeah, so it was heavy duty and her breathing, everything. She was just so ill. And I, I don't think the surgery would have helped her at all. Size of a football, yikes. Um, yeah. She did have a lot of faith in her doctor at in New York City, in St. Vincent's Hospital. Mm-hmm. And so uh, he did call the kids, and a couple of the kids came together, right? They, they did. Um, you know, so, like I said, Turner claims he called the kids, but I, I don't believe that. Um, you know, but they, they find out the size of the tumor, um, and Peter, like I said, claims that he contacted Timothy and Mariana, you know, about her illness. I, I think it's more likely, like you said, that it was her doctor in New York who contacted them about her illness. And probably contacted all four, but Timothy and Mariana are the ones who came to pick her up. And they take their mother back to the United States. It's amazing she made it on that trip, considering how it, ill she was. She was so sick. It, she she was. And, um, you know, supposedly they didn't want Graham didn't want to go back, and Turner didn't want her to go back, and his family didn't want to go back. Again, I'm not... I'm, I'm not going to say that I believe all of that that went down like that. Um, but they they got her back to the U.S. Um, and she was admitted into St. Vincent's Hospital, like you said. And she died only a couple hours later. She, she arrived on October 5th and she died on October 5th. Yeah, she, I think she really wanted to get home. I think she uh, she willed herself to get there because she was so sick. That was a humongous flight. She was in horrible pain. I think she, w you know how sometimes people will will themselves, I'm going to stay alive until this person comes to see me or there's a wedding. Mm -hmm. And people can will themselves through sickness. I believe there are people who can do that. And I think she wanted to go home. And I think she wanted to go to St. Vincent's, be with a doctor and... She dies. Exactly. And it's funny you say that because there's a lot of people who die, like, shortly after their birthday or right before their birthday, you know. And a lot of people make a goal, like, I want to make it to this birthday, you know. Or they want to see a wedding or they want to yeah. wait until their favorite grandchild comes to see them and then they can be at peace. But they do. And, and um, I think that's what happened with Gloria. I think she really, really wanted to go home it's so funny i didn't know because in my area there's this uh these two humongous apartment buildings up between 42nd and 43rd street on 9th avenue called um what the heck were the name of these joints <laughs> i can't think of it i love it i wanted to get in there manhattan plaza 
and it was uh, for people who are in the entertainment field. And if you weren't making, you know, they kind of went by your income. And if you're making crappy income, you could stay there for a certain point. And Gloria ended up living there. She got a one bedroom and she lived there. And um, they still have a picture of her in their um, lobby of Gloria living in Manhattan Plaza, which is very nice. I had many friends who lived in there. I would have loved to have gone in there. Oh, wouldn't that have been fun? I always think, oh, if I had just gone back, like, even 20 years ago. I know. Just, you know, seen so many people. They would still oh. be alive, and you could just yak and yak with them. So Gloria died. Yeah. How old was she? Like, 40, 57, right? Yep, she would have been 57. She would have been turning 58 that year, but of course she didn't quite make it to her birthday. She did this one movie, you guys, you can see. It's called The Nesting, and it's a bad film. But it's, <laughs> but it's, uh, I believe, her last film. And um, she plays a ghost who was a madam of this place and there were murders and whatever. And she looked fabulous. I mean, they didn't do close-ups, but her hair was long. Her bod was great. I mean, she looked great in this film. I don't think she had any dialogue, but, um, it's on Amazon Prime. So if you have that, give that a, give that a look just to see her kind of last film, I think. Yeah, no, the, the nesting is definitely her um, her last film. I actually have seen that one. Um, that, that movie had a very weird story type to it. Yes. Um, it got seized and confiscated in the U.K. because people were in a panic about a bunch of different things you know we have the satanist panic going on at this time yes. and you know there was just like a panic about like violence is going to cause violence you know what i mean and anyways but the nesting is a movie that did get seized but i highly recommend seeing it because like you said you can see how little gloria is in it and um, you, you can tell that she's sick in it, at least in my opinion. You, you can. can tell she's sick, but they also do some gauzy shots, and you go for a minute. Boy, she looks great. You know, her. You know, so I thought she was a lot older. So when I saw the nesting, I was shocked to see that she was not as old as I thought she was. So it is a good thing to check out. And like I said, it's on Amazon Prime. Um, if you have that on the video, you can watch it for free. So if you have that, check it out. Yeah, no, mo most definitely. Um, Gloria, you know, like like we said, Gloria passed away only a couple hours after she was in the hospital. Um, she ends up being flown out to Los Angeles and buried. And as you said, you know, she had the apartments in Manhattan Plaza. She really didn't have a huge estate, but she had a little bit. Um, and by little bit, I'm really focusing on little bit. Um, but, you know, the thing with Gloria is, you know, her personal life really overshadows her work, but her most of her stuff is very, very good. Really good. You know, if you're watching stuff, really, I would say from, like, 44 to, I don't know, maybe 55. I mean, I think you kind of do have to watch Oklahoma. Did you, you see know, Cobweb? 
I have not seen Cobweb. That's a good one. Vincent Minnelli directed this one, and it's about a a mental institution. She's married to Richard Woodmark, who is the head of the institution, and Lillian Gish is in it, Lauren Bacall. And, you know, it ain't a good movie. It ain't a great movie, but... Oh, and also Charles Boyer playing the lead guy who, has, you know, wants to have affairs with everybody and was into Gloria. But it, it's a good movie, and I think Gloria has an affair with one of the young patients. But it's 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 kind of, it's a fun movie. So Cobweb, I would recommend as well. And Gloria oh. looks gorgeous in this. No, I'll, I'll have to watch Cobweb. Um, I don't recommend The Greatest Show on Earth. Uh, I hate circuses. I feel like, oh, my God, what are you doing to these poor elephants? And when they stomp on their trainer, why do they get killed? You know, these guys are being, being, they don't belong in tutus at a circus. Get them out of here. So I hate circuses. I hate clowns. I hate all that stuff. So I never watched it. But she she played the elephant lady in that. Yeah, I, I can't stand that movie if I'm honest with you. I think that is probably one of the worst like Oscar selections for yes. Best Picture. Wasn't Charlton Heston and James Stewart and other people in that one? Yeah, the the movie has a giant Dorothy Lamour was in it. it it's it's a very star-studded cast. Um, Betty Hutton is like the main female in it. But it's just I don't know. Cecil B. DeMille narrates it. It's just ick. Not. It's. I agree with you, April. It's not one. But if you like circuses and you want to see these people and whatever, you know, might enjoy it. It's just not my cup of tea. Yeah. No. I, I completely agree with you. Um, but like, like I was saying, you know, Gloria got buried in Los Angeles and, you know, you can, you can go visit her grave today. She's at Oakwood Memorial Park, if I remember correctly, which is the same cemetery that Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers are at. Yes. And there are some, they, they have the tours, <laughs> graveside tours. And Eric Gans offered to take me to go to California because he leaves, uh, flowers, at Carol's grave and he goes you know I said what does your wife think about this he said I just wanted to be like a Caesar Romero I said you fell madly in love while you were making this book and he did I know he did he he really um loved Carol so he said he would take me to her her burial grounds if I wanted to so you never know oh Hey, you know what? I'm all, I mean, you know, I, I love doing cemetery tours. With I think people. it'd be fun. I've never done one, and there's so much fun in morbid, in a morbidly fun way, you know? But it's yeah, just no. interesting. No, I, I, I know Hollywood forever pretty well. I mean, I'm not going to say I'm at like Carrie Bible, who, you know, does all their tours. I'm not going to say I'm at her level, obviously, but I know Hollywood forever semi, you know, well. I can give someone a good like two hour tour there. All right. So when I go to LA, you come down and you give me a tour and we can talk yeah. about it. We can take pictures we'll, we'll and talk about it. it. That'd be fun. Yeah, no, let's do it. I'm planning on it now. Okay, great. So um, that's our Gloria Graham show. And I don't know, what what do we, do we start Maryland next week? We are. We're doing Maryland, which is going to be very long. Yeah, we're going to do periods of her life. Did, uh, what did we decide on the years? 
Um, we're doing 26, which is obviously her birth, until 55. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, well, really until 54, like we're doing, and then 55 until 62 for the rest, you know, for the rest of her life. And then an episode dedicated strictly to her death. Yeah. So that's what we're doing next week, you guys. So we hope you enjoyed these. And, um, I know I have, and I love having April on. And we didn't have any really weird technical difficulties today, except in the beginning. So, woot, woot. <laughs> yeah, uh, Carol, Carol and Gordon are all, all on board. Yeah. Their story is being told. So. Yeah, so I think we did good. We did a double header, you guys. So, um, yeah. So, uh, thank you, April. You were fabulous, and your knowledge is incred. And thank you guys for listening, and we really appreciate it. We've gotten some nice feedback from folks who have been enjoying this, and we're, we're really happy you are. Thanks so much. Thank you, April. Thanks, Grace. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I've had such a great time doing this. Grace is amazing. I love her. Well, I just love you, too. Aren't we sickening? Smooch, smooch, smooch. Okay. (laughs) Enough of that. Thank you, everybody, and we will be back soon. Bye. Those fingers in my hair That sly come hither stare That strips my conscience bare It's witchcraft And I've got no defense for it The heat is too intense for it What good would common sense for it do? Cause it's witchcraft Wicked witchcraft And although I know It's strictly taboo When you arouse the need in me My heart says yes indeed in me Proceed with what you're leading me to It's such an ancient pitch But one I wouldn't switch Cause there's no nicer witch than you And although I know it's strictly taboo When you arouse the need in me My heart says yes indeed in me Proceed with what you're leading me to It's such an ancient pitch But one that I'd never switch 
Cause there's no nicer witch than you 